a person after God's own heart. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, may you please turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13, I'll read from verse number 11 to 12. Verse number 11, the Bible, oh sorry, have you found it? If you found it, say amen. Hallelujah. Verse number 11, the Bible says, What have you done? Asked Samuel. So replied, When I saw that the men were scattering, and that you did not come as at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilga, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. Mark that word, I have not sought the Lord's favor. So, I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord gave you. If you had, if you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the command. Hallelujah. So this was uh, basically a conversation between Samuel, the prophet of God, and Saul, who at this time he had been chosen to be king over Israel. And this discussion was happening at a time when Israel was about to go to battle against the Philistines. So you, you know the story that happened thereafter. Uh, the Philistines were defeated uh, when, David, when God allowed David to intervene and all that. But prior to, to this battle, God had given clear instructions to King Saul. If you read from verse number 8 of this chapter 13, you would notice that Samuel had told Saul to wait for him at Gilgal so that when Samuel comes, he would preside over a sacrifice or preside over sacrifices before Israel goes to battle with the Philistines so that Israel is spiritually ready for the battle. And this was the clear instruction that God had given. Hallelujah. You know, if you, if you read uh, the battles that the children of Israel uh, went into, before each and every battle, they could offer a sacrifice. And this sacrifice... Not, not everyone could just wake up, or anyone could just wake up and offer the sacrifice. The sacrifices were offered by specific people. And these were the priests of God that were offering the sacrifices. Amen. So, Saul is instructed, you wait at Hilga for me to come. And this might look as it was Samuel who was speaking to Saul, but it was God giving instructions to King Saul through his servant Samuel. He says, you wait until I come. Now, Saul had stayed at Gilgal for several months. But from the time that Samuel gave the instruction for Saul to wait at Gilgal, it had only been seven days. And Saul could not wait for that little time for Samuel to return. After seven days, Saul began to get impatient. Saul began to get anxious. Saul began to get worried. Saul began to get afraid. And when Samuel took time to come, 
Saul thought he would devise a plan that he thought would help God. Amen. He thought, aha, the man of God is taking time to come. But I can think of a better plan. And what did he do? He found a shortcut. He called for a burnt offering and proceeded to offer with mistake number one. In the first place, Saul is a king. He is not a priest. He is not supposed to offer any offering at this particular point. God has instructed him clearly. He says, you wait. You wait until I come. And when I come, I will offer the sacrifice so that your army is spiritually prepared. But Saul says, ah, somewhere is taking long. The Philistines are coming. Soon they are going to get me here at Gilgal. Let me find a way. He calls for a burnt offering. He offers it. And like I said, according to the law, he was not supposed to offer this offering. It was supposed to be Samuel offering, uh, offering this sacrifice. Amen. Now, here's a man who thinks when he offers the sacrifice, God is going to help them win the battle. Mistake number two. He did not know the reason these sacrifices were offered. Because these sacrifices were not offered for God to help them win the battles. No. The sacrifices were offered as an honor to the supreme God. The sacrifices were offered as a way of recognizing that we cannot do this on our own if God is not with us. But it was not to say that we offer this sacrifice and then the sacrifice helps us to achieve our goal. No, no, no. God was supposed to be the goal at this point. And God being the goal at this point, the sacrifice was supposed to be offered to honor him, to say, Lord, you are our God. We cannot go to this war without you. But Saul did not think it that way. He thought, okay, the Philistines are coming. What do I do if I don't offer the sacrifice? That's why the verse that I, 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 I shared, I, I said you should mark the word. He said, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilga and I have not sought the Lord's favor. That was his focus. His focus was not on the Lord. His focus was what is God going to do for me in this situation if I offer the sacrifice? All he wanted was a way out of the battle. But that was not the plan of God. And that's why Samuel is coming and says, look, you have done a foolish thing. If you, only if you had listened and obeyed the command of the Lord, God was going to establish your kingdom forever. Now, this was the day when the kingdom of Saul began to go down. Because he, because he had disrespected the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. He thought he would help God. But the truth is, God is never late. Amen. How many times in our lives have we thought God is late? God is delaying. And how many times have we found alternatives to what God had told us to wait for? And we feel, we feel like God is delaying. God is, I mean, is he, is, he, is he ever going to come? And we grow so impatient. We become so anxious. We become so worried. We see the wave coming and we are worried. We are like, oh God, but he promised. But look now. 
But the bottom of the line is, if he promised that he's going to come through for you, he is going to come through for you. Amen. You see, what had happened here, immediately after Saul finished offering this sacrifice, Samuel appeared. <laughs> he finishes offering the sacrifice. He finishes disobeying the, word, the, the, the command of the Lord. Samuel appears. Now, what does Saul do? Saul goes and he tries to find all sorts of justification. He tries to find all sorts of all sorts of explanations. He tries to find all that he can justify. But someone says, "No. You have done a foolish thing. Your explanations sound very good." You agree with me? There are times we find very 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 good justifications before the Lord. And you say, You know how difficult this was. But you know what God says? He says, No, 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 no. My word is clear, black and white. You wait for me, I'll come through. But you choose to disobey. So immediately he finishes disobeying God, and Samuel appears. He justifies himself, he tries to find. Every word in the dictionary to, 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 to help himself out. But someone says, no. You've done a foolish thing and your kingdom is not going to last. Amen. He pointed fingers. He tried to point his finger at Samuel. He says, you delayed. You said you come, but I saw you were not coming. In other words, your God lied to me. He said he was going to come through for us, but I saw the Philistines coming there. And what else did you expect me to do? We've been in such situations. In the end, we, we regret. I've been in such situations. I tried to find alternatives. And then, in no time, I say, ah, why did I do this? Look, God was ready coming. Amen. We try to find all the justifications we can. But that is all pure disobedience before the Lord. Amen. If the Lord promises, He will do it, He will do it no matter how long it takes. Now, the Bible is telling us Saul has justified himself before Samuel. And Samuel says, look, this is the first thing you've done and your kingdom is not going to last forever. And Samuel finishes by saying, the Lord has sought a man after his own heart and has appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And you know that this man that Samuel is talking about here is none other than David. Amen. And if you go throughout uh, uh, the, the, the stories in First Samuel from this chapter, you notice how life became difficult for Saul. Here's a king. When the children of Israel in chapter eight cried for a king, they cried, they cried, they cried. God was a little hesitant to give them a king. And then Samuel spoke with God. And God said, okay, I'll grant, I'll grant their wishes. And he told Samuel about Saul. And if you look from this, up chapter number 9 up to somewhere, I think around chapter number 10, it's a process where Samuel now, I mean, where Saul now is being made king. But after he made this foolish mistake, God says, aha, this guy is not going to lead my people. And along the way, the Bible clearly states that God rejected Saul as king. In the end, he made David king. Hallelujah. And this David is being referred to as the man after God's own heart. Was there something special that God 
needed to refer to David as a man after God's own heart. Yes. There was something in David that God did not see in Saul. Hallelujah. There was something that qualified David to be called a man after God's own heart. That God did not see in Saul. Amen. One thing that God really meant when he said he's found a man after his own heart. He basically meant that he has found a man whom, in whom he is pleased. A man whose heart is for God. A man whose heart honors God. A man who does what God would do and who does not do what God would not do. And this was the man after God's own heart. So, was a favorite to the Israelites. He was chosen as king. He was anointed as king. But the specifics that God was looking for in the man he wanted to lead his people, he couldn't find them in Saul. So I'll talk about a few specific things that according to this scripture that we have read, God was looking for in a man who was supposed to, re- to lead his children. Number one, God was looking for a man whose everything honored God. Amen. Now, if you look at Saul, purely, you see that the way he was conducting himself, he was more concerned about himself He was more concerned about him being a king and winning battles. But he had no regard whatsoever for God. So did not honor God at all. Because if he had honored God, it was a simple instruction, you wait. Number one, he did not wait. It was a simple clear instruction, Only Samuel would come and offer the sacrifice to get you guys prepared for battle. He went ahead and did what he was not supposed to do. He did not honor the word that God had given him. But God wanted someone who would not do things out of disregard for God. Amen. If the word of God comes clearly to you, the simple thing to do is to honor it. The moment you begin to debate about the word of God, know that there's going to be two things happening at the end. Either you go the wrong way or you go the right way. Now, the moment the debate comes, this, this, that it. Ignore the debate. Go back to the word of God and say, what does the word of God say about this? Because if the word of God says this is not right, it's not right. And there's no two ways about it. But these days we find ourselves debating, debating and finding all sorts of justifications. I don't know if it was pastor or someone else who was saying there are some people who read the Bible only to find as to what extent they can go uh, in sin. Amen. When such debates come, know that there's destruction ahead. And don't, don't even, we don't negotiate with sin. We don't negotiate with the word of God. The word of God is plain, is clear. Do it, do it. Don't do it, don't do it. And that's what God wants. He wants someone who honors him and he would call that person a man after or a person after my own heart. A person who does what I want them to do. A person who does not do what I don't want them to do. It's as simple as that. Hallelujah. We need to get concerned with what the word of God says in our lives every day. 
And when we get concerned with what the word of God says in our lives, we'll find it so easy to honor God with our everything. Amen. We're living in a world where a lot of things appear to be good when they are not good. The world is exposing us to so many things. The world is exposing us to so much information. The world is exposing us to all sorts of things that appear good. But the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is what? It's destruction. This way seemed right to Saul. He thought, if I do this, it's going to be right with us, with my army. He had seen his people scattering, going away. Because the people thought, ah, looks like the plan of God is not going to happen anymore. And this battle is not happening. And then they are leaving him. But so being the king, he's seeing the army of the Philistines. And he says, the people have run away from me. The army is going to come. And he thinks, God has left him. No, God has not left you. He promised he's going to come for you. And he thought, this way seems right for me. But what happens? Destruction. There is a way that seems right for every one of us. In our families, in our careers, in everything. But if we don't see it with the spiritual eye, the end thereof becomes destruction. But if we see it with the spiritual eye, the best thing we'll do is to honor God with what we are going to do afterwards and we honor God through what he has said in his word and the end thereof is going to be happiness number two God was looking for a man who would let God be king the man who would let God be king amen you would notice that in this case Saul was surely king and not God king in his life. Because last time when I was sharing, I was saying, if you begin to worry about things that only God can take care of, you begin to take the place of God. And it's dangerous. When you begin to take the place of God, it becomes very dangerous. Amen. Because what you're saying in your heart is, it looks like he, this one. The way, the way it is. Looking at how big the situation is. Looking at how, how terrifying, how difficult the situation is. It looks like not even God can do it. That, that's exactly what you're saying in your heart. Why try to do it when God has told you he's going to do it? You're trying to take his place. Now, this is what exactly Saul did here. He took the place of God. He thought he would find solutions for God. Amen. And he did what his heart pleased. But God was looking for someone who would be, who'd be saying, though I am leading these people, but it is only God who is king above me. But this was not what was in the mind of Saul. Amen. He, he knew that he, he had nothing, nothing, completely nothing to do with offering the sacrifice. He knew he had nothing, completely, 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 completely nothing to do with it. But he went ahead and did this. Amen. He took the place of God. He thought, aha, God has failed. Now, let me, let, me, let me do the honors. How many times have we thought that God, 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 ah, surely this one, God will, not, God will not come through for me. We might not have said it like I'm saying it, that God will not come through for me. But our actions, our actions would speak a lot. Amen. We don't even think of praying about it. We don't even think of searching the scriptures about it. And we think, ah, we'll find another way. You see, all, all these people we read about 
in, uh, in, 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 in the newspapers, uh, in the media, Christians we read about that have gone into uh, issues like Cashgate and stuff and all that. Do you know the reason? They fight to take the place of God. We face difficult situations as children of God. And the Bible has taught us. It's, it's not a smooth ride. But the Bible also tells us that there is no temptation that can over, overtake us. Because God will come through for us no matter what. But people have tried to take the place of God. People have tried to find other ways. And the end thereof, destruction. Amen. How many times have we made sacrifices thinking that if I make this sacrifice, God is going to... You know, it's like in Chichewa, I normally say, I'm going to that's what a lot of people do. We serve, we give, we sacrifice, not out of love for God, not out of honor to God, not out of respect to God, but because we think that if I give this much, God, he said in his word that the same measure shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and all that. But hey, hey, we're getting it wrong. We are supposed to seek his kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We are supposed to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And all those things we want will be added unto us. Now, seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness first, Entails all the sacrifices we are talking about here. Entails respecting the word of God, doing what the word of God says. Doing now, if you do all that right, God says, "There goes my child," and He comes through for you. And the battles that the children of Israel were winning was not because they were offering sacrifice, but it was because they were doing that, honoring God. And God was saying, "They are honoring me, and I will honor them." A lot of people give. Some things that people give when they are to tell you, you would be shocked to say, hey, you give all that. But God looks at them and says, you think you're giving to me? Because their heart does not honor God. They give because they, they think they'll get something out of that giving. It's exactly what Saul was doing here. Amen. It's time we begin to think of honoring God, not to think of what is God going to do for me, but what am I going to do for God so that he feels I honor him. When God feels that he's honored, some of you, he would easily come for you. Amen. It's, it's like a father. It's like a father in the house. It's like a mother in the house. When you feel your children respect you, what do you do when they ask for things? You easily give them. But when you feel your children don't respect you, you feel your children don't honor you, you think twice before you grant their wishes. You think twice before you grant them what, they, what they're asking for. It's, it's exactly how God works. He feels honored. He feels respected. I mean, he feels honored. He feels respected. He will surely come through for you. But if you do it because you want him to do something for you, exactly what Saul was doing here. He thinks, ah, I haven't offered a sacrifice to God. We are not going to win this battle. Who told you you are going to win the battle when you offer sacrifice to God? You win the battle when you respect God, when you honor God, when you say, God, I am leading these people, but you are the king. I am leading these people, but you are my God. That's the only way that you, will, you are going to win the battle. That's the only way that God is going to come through for you. Amen. Number three. God was looking for a man who would have a soft and repentant heart. Amen. He was looking for a man who would have a soft and repentant 
heart. Look at Saul. He disobeys God. He does what his heart pleases. And then Samuel comes. Samuel comes and instead of Saul confessing what he had done against God, what does he do? He starts giving excuses. And this is typical of us Christians. Amen. We find, we find a lot of excuses. But if the word of God says you have done something that is not right, the simple thing to do is to accept. The word of God says I have not done something right. Let me accept. And what is the right thing to do? Confess and repent. As simple as that. But Samuel comes and actually before Saul even explains, God had already taught Samuel that your man there has sinned. And Samuel comes and he says, so what have you done? Instead of him confessing, repenting, he begins to explain, no, because I saw you were delaying and all that, all that, and all that. He gives all sorts of explanations. But if you go and read 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 13, this is uh, a chapter that uh, uh, explains about the sin that David committed uh, when he slept with another man's wife and all that. And then Nathan came to Samuel. I'm sorry, to, to David. Nathan comes to David, and when Nathan came to David, he said, David, what did you do? The same question that Samuel asked Saul. Now, you see the different responses. David, when he's asked, David, what did you do? The first thing he says is, I have sinned against the Lord. He had a chance to explain, to say, but the woman was so beautiful. Eh? Yes. He had a chance to explain. You see, I was so stressed with the battle, the, the war that, that, that my, 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 my army has gone into. I was so stressed with this. I was so stressed with this. And, you know, I tried to... He did not go into all that. He knew... And the best thing to do is to confess and say... I have sinned against God. Because it's exactly what he did. And after he had said that, Nathan says, then the Lord has taken away your sin. And you will not die. As simple as that. Whilst in chapter 13 of Samuel number 1, I mean 1 Samuel chapter 13, the Bible is saying, so is asked, what did you do? And he begins to explain himself. And in the end, he does not repent. He does not confess his sin and he does not repent. God was looking for someone who had that soft heart. A heart that knows that ndajima, ndajima, ndajima. If I'm to borrow that word. And have sinned against God. And you repent. God comes back and restores you. Amen. He restores you. He restores all you might have lost in the process. Because you have a soft heart. You have a repentant heart. Sometimes I wonder why it was so difficult for Saul to realize that he had sinned and just come and cling to God. Surely he knew that he had not done the right thing and he knew that the end thereof God was not going to be pleased and God was not pleased that's why Samuel tells him that your kingdom if, if you had done what God wanted you to do your kingdom would have reigned forever but now the kingdom is ending it was so simple for him just to come clean amen there are so many people that have gone into so much trouble because of not confessing or because of not accepting how wrong they have been. Amen. Let's take it, the simple examples our, 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 our courts of law. They will tell you if you plead guilty chances of your sentences being reduced become very high. But if you waste the court's time 
and saying, I did not do it, I did not do it, I did not do it, when the truth is you did it. They also come back with a harsh punishment for you. Amen. That's exactly what happened with these two people. One of them says, I did not, I, I did it because of A, B, C, D. He's wasting God's time. Okay? And God says, your kingdom is not going to last. One of them comes and says, I have sinned against you, God. God says, okay, I've forgiven you. You will not die. Go. Amen. There are problems that we have gone into because of some unconfessed sins in our lives. There are situations that are failing to live our lives because of some unconfessed sin in our lives. Only if we realized that and went back to God and said, God, it looks like my situation, so my life is being tough because of this unconfessed sin. I'm coming back to you, God. Forgive me of this. And please do not, do not count this as a sin to me anymore. Please forgive me. Only if we had that heart, that soft heart, that repentant heart, because that's a heart that God is looking for. God wants to see us and call us, there goes my, my child. Someone who is after my own heart. Amen. God wants us to be able to stand in the society and people say, Udindo uulia babao, kumangwe ni lao, ujifuajwa na kutao, ama hindi murungu. Amen. And that can only happen if we have a heart that accepts when we go wrong. Hallelujah. And that's what God expects. So this is what God was expecting to see in someone he wanted to lead the children of Israel. But he could not see this in Saul. Plainly, Saul was not the one that God wanted to lead the children of Israel. Because he was a man who was tested and he failed. Amen. Do you know Today, the world, instead of confessing our sins, we are looking for further justification of our sins. Recently, there are stories going around in the media, debates going around in the media about abortion. And instead of admitting that what we are proposing is sin and shameful before God, the world is trying to find better justifications. The world is trying. If you, if, you, if you read, if you read the law, it's so appetizing when you read it. Amen. I've had a chance to read it. If it's so appetizing, you read it and you're like, it looks like these people are making, I mean, like they're making sense. But they're not making sense. And then they're trying, to, they're trying to point the words, changing the words. Removing the word abortion and saying termination of pregnancy to make it sound attractive, to make it sound less sinful. Amen. But it's because the world is full of people that have got no soft and repentant heart. Men of God have spoken, the Bible has spoken, they have heard, but people still want to do what is against the word of God. Amen. Amen. Now, I was saying, if we try to find justifications, further justifications to some actions that we are about to do, we need to pause for a minute and say, why are we trying to dig more justifications, trying to convince people to understand otherwise, and then go back to the word of God, you'll find that the word of God is actually clear, that what you're about to do is not in line with the word of God. And that's why you're struggling to find justifications. That's why you're struggling to find better ways of doing it. But know what? Know you, know, know, know you that if God does not like that, he doesn't like it. If God does not accept that, he doesn't accept it. No matter how we can color it with whatever um, uh, crayons and, and, and whatever, whatever, but God doesn't approve of it. He doesn't approve of it. Amen. 
All he wants is for us to have a heart that hears his word and realize that we have gone a wrong direction. We need to come back. That's what God wants us to do. Hallelujah. Number four. God was looking for a man who had love for others. Amen? A man who would demonstrate that he loves others more than himself. Amen? Now, you notice that the conduct of Saul here was purely to save his face from his people that as a king, he has not failed them. And that's why he was looking at the army and then he's looking at his people. He's like, okay, if this army comes, they're going to come to us and then they're going to conquer us and all that. He's worried not that they're going to lose the war, but that the people are going to say our king has failed us. But if he had the love for everyone like he thought he did, he would have listened to the word of God. Because it was only the word of God that would have led him into doing something that would have demonstrated love for his people. Amen. And if you read his, his life throughout, from this uh, chapter we've read going forward, up to the time when God rejects him as a king, Saul became self-centered. He was only thinking about himself. He continuously got bitter with people. That's not the man that God was looking for. God was looking for someone who demonstrates love. Amen. God is looking for someone who no matter what would do things out of love. A lot of people step on our toes and we keep grudges forever and forever. And you wonder why some things are not working in our lives. When we've kept grudges against certain people. But the Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says you can't say that you love God if you don't demonstrate the same love to your neighbor. Amen. And God would favor us. God would Consider us as children after his own heart when we demonstrate the same love that he has for us to other people. No matter how much they have hurt us. But if we have bitterness throughout, it's trouble. If we are doing things out of selfish ambitions, not out of love, it becomes trouble. Hallelujah. There's a, there's a Nigerian artist who sang, uh, her name is Asa. She, others call him, uh, others call her Asha, Asa. She did a song, uh, which says, the, the title of the song is Questions. And she asks so many questions in that song. And one of the questions she asks in that song, she says, why is there so much religion and there is so little love. And in the end uh, of the song after he's, she's asked all those, all those questions, she says, I hope I will get answers to these questions. But these are critical questions. You see there's so much religion in the world but there's so little love. There are certain people who perpetrate evil. You wonder. They pray. They confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior. But you see things that they are standing for. And then you wonder to say. But I thought. I thought we were together on this journey. Amen. It's because people have lost the love for others. People have lost the love for God. Recently there have been some video clips going around on WhatsApp. Gruesome video clips. Soldiers shooting people like, like chickens, like animals. 
would say this is outside Malawi, but I think just a few days ago, right here in Malawi, in the northern part of the country, in some forest, uh, some forest security personnel, forcing women to administer corporal punishment on each other. And then the women are taking big sticks, hitting each other. And that one you could actually tell that this woman is in pain. And, and the, the woman that's hitting her, you could tell that she really doesn't want to do this. But the soldiers have their guns and they're threatening her and they're telling her to beat a fellow woman. There's no love. And you'd think that these are people that do not confess God as their, as their Lord. They do not confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But go into the offices and you see how Christians behave. Go into the homes and you see how Christians behave. Go into some churches and you see how Christians... When, when, when you come here, KICC, we, we, are, we are very good Christians. I know. We are very good Christians. There are churches. Fights break up in the churches. There's a fight at the back at the back benches, and then the whole church is disrupted. See how people backbite in the Christian circles. Amen. You know that my my auntie Wambui is good at doing A, B, C, D in her business. Someone is looking for recommendation. But because you don't like Auntie Wambui, a fellow Christian, you not even say a good word for her. And then you go back home and you're dancing. And you think God, and you think God is happy. At times you even, you even go, people ask you, what do you think about Brother James Makwakwa? Do you think he's, uh, he's, he's, he's fitting for this kind of uh, consultancy? And then you begin to put in a bad word for, for him. You put in a bad word for him. You put in a bad word for him. You come back to church. You meet at church. You greet him. Ah, oh, brother, I've missed you. How are you doing? How is business? You smile at him. And you go back home. Your conscience is clear. Oh, no. <laughs> God is looking for someone who demonstrates love to others, no matter the circumstances. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you think when there's bad governance in countries, do you think Christians are not involved? Christians are involved. And there are Christians who go to the leaders and tell them and advise them on bad decisions. And then when it happens, it breaks out there they distance themselves as if they are not part of it. When they are actually the root cause of that. Don't presidents appoint, uh, what do they call them? Advisors on religious affairs. What are, they, what are they there for? To advise the president on what the will of God is for their nation. But what do they do? They advise the president otherwise. And we call that love. That's not love. Amen. But God is looking for someone who do things out of love for his people. Finally, God was looking for a man who would put all his trust, all his trust when I say all oh, his trust, in everything and in anything, a man would say, I will not go if God doesn't go first. I will not do it if God doesn't do it first. I will not speak if God doesn't speak first. I will not lead if God doesn't lead first. Amen. A man who would see the storm coming and still stand and says, I know my God who promised that he will be with me to the end of this age is going to come through for me in this situation. A man who puts all his trust in the Lord. 
A man who doesn't trust in the flesh. A man who doesn't trust in the chariots. A man who doesn't trust in his who doesn't trust who doesn't put his trust in his word. But a man who puts his trust in God. Amen. A man who doesn't think that God has lied to me. A man who doesn't think that God has forsaken me. Amen. You know there are times when we begin to think that God has forsaken me. God has a very good way of reminding us to say, I'm still God. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still your God. You think that, hey, this is, this is, this is too much for me. This is tough for me. God has a way of reminding us, I'm still God. I'm still on the throne. Amen. Last time I was saying, we have to be looking back to where we're coming from, where we are, where we are going. How many things has God made us go through? That's one way of him reminding you that he is still God. If you read the book of Job, Job meets all these things. And in the first place, it was God who had granted certain access to God to, to Job. Okay? And then all these things happen, and Job, Job complained. Okay? But he did not want to disobey God, no matter what. His wife tried to persuade him to disobey God, to curse God, and then he dies. But he said, foolish woman, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay? But Job was bitter. Job made all sorts of complaints. He, he pleaded his case like no one else to God. And God was just listening to him. God was just listening to him. His friends came, they exchanged words. His friends said things to him. He said things back. But God was just listening. And there came a time when God spoke. When God spoke, he reminded Job that I am still God. If you read Job chapter 38 from verse 4 to 7. Let's, let's open Job chapter 38 from verse 4 to 7. Job chapter 38. If you're there, say amen. Job chapter 38 verse 4 to 7. Uh, the Bible says, oh, let me start from, let me just start from verse number one. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Amen. He continues, he says, Press yourself like a man. I will question you. And you shall answer me. And the questions that followed were questions that Job had no answers to. Amen. He thinks God has forsaken. The time you think God has forsaken you, God would come with questions that you have no answers to. He would ask you simple questions and you have no answers to. He would ask you a simple question. How, how do you think you got out of that situation yesterday? And you look back and you're like, come on, dear. Amen. But because oftentimes we do not trust God, that every situation we're facing, God is going to come through for us. So God is asking questions to Job. And he says, where were you when I had laid the earth's foundation. Tell me if you understand. Who would have answered such a question? At times we wake up and we see the sun has risen from there. It's going to set uh, that side. And we, we celebrate, oh, the sun set, the sun set, the sun set. Ask yourself, how did that happen? I know science has tried to explain to us. But science has got a limit on how far they can go with their explanations. There are certain things science does not answer to us. Amen. So he's asking, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? 
Does he even know how the foundations of the earth look like? God is trying to show him that I am God. Put my trust in me. Because he was asking these questions because he knew that I am the one that have put you in this situation and I know how to take you out of this situation. Amen. Do you think God would have just dumped us here for no reason and then leave us and he, and he goes and do his own business? No. He brought us to this earth for a purpose and he knows, only him knows why. And every situation that we go through, he knows why we are going through that. And he knows how to take us out of that situation. All he wants was, is for us to trust him. We trust him and he says, there goes a man after my own heart. Amen. So he's asking again on verse number 5, who marked of its dimensions surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it but sometimes we ask questions as if we are too wise than God so he says who made his, the, the, the demarcation because it looks like you know the way you are being clever the way you are being wise it looks like you know so much that, that I God doesn't know Amen. The way you, 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 you're trying to bury yourself out of this particular situation, you, you think you know too much than I. So tell me. Tell me. Who marked the dimensions? Who stretched a measuring line across it? Number, verse number six, he continues. On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? God is reminding him that he is still God. And all he wants is for us to trust him. How much trust do you put in God? How much do you allow God to take control in your life? Amen. If, only if, we trusted God with everything we have. Only if we trusted God with all we think we possess, all we think we have, God would be surely pleased with us. And it would be easy for God to say, there goes a man after my own heart. There goes a woman after my own heart. Why do you think God went to Satan, when God met Satan in Job's case, and then he was saying, look at my servant Job. God was boasting about Job. Saying, look at my servant Job. There's no, there's no other. Huh? Can God boast about us? Can God stand and say, look, look, look at my child Patrick there. You see, you see how much he trusts me? You see how much he loves me? Can God do that? We have to come to a time when God would be able to say, there goes my servant. Amen. We have to reach a time or we have to reach a point when God works in us like he did with the likes of Peter. He did with the likes of, uh, uh, the likes of Paul and all that. Do you think it, was, it just happened that, that at some point Peter's, Peter's shadow would heal people? No. It was because he had trusted God and God trusted him and said, this one, and carry my, my message to my people. And then all the miracles were happening through him. Amen. Do you think it's by coincidence or if it's by, by just it's, it's just a fluke or it's just by chance that God is able to use people in these days to heal the sick. God is able to use people in these days to raise the dead. No, it's because they have trusted God and God trusts them. Amen. They have put their trust in the Lord. 
We need to reach that point. That no matter what, how, no matter how small a thing can be, we need to trust God. Amen. There are times, there are times Christianity has to be, has to go crazy. Okay. People have to see you praying for things that people begin to ask you. You're praying even for, for this small thing. But he said, because I trust him, God, and I'm doing what the word of God says. That's a person that God was looking for. And all these things, God did not see them. And so. And that's why Samuel comes and says, God has sought a man after his own heart. A man who would not disappoint God. Did it mean that David was 100% pure? No. He had his shortfalls as a human being. But the difference was he sinned out of weakness as a man and he realized that I have sinned against God. I was not supposed to do this. Let me do the right thing. Amen? Whilst our friend saw here was doing things out of disobedience. He knew the right thing to do. And when he's confronted, he doesn't confess. He doesn't repent. Amen. That was the difference. David was not 100% perfect, but he had the right heart. And that's the kind of a person that God is looking for. We are not 100% perfect. We are still work in progress. But what God is looking for is the right heart. A heart that when God speaks something to it, it listens. A heart that can easily be changed. A heart that is not stiff. And that's what God is looking for. A person after his own heart. He should be able to stand and, 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 and brag about us. When we pray, he should be able to say, yes, my children are praying there. When we speak, he should be able to say, my child is speaking. When we do acts of love, we should be able to say, yes, that's my child Doing it not to show off, but doing it because he loves me and he loves my people. When we stand here and sing, he should be able to say, yes, they're doing it because they, are, they honor me. They love me. They trust me. When we stand there and worship, we raise our hands. It's not because the one sitting next to us has to see us that we are praying. No, but it's because we want to honor God. We want to show that we love him. We want to show that we trust him. We want to show that we cannot do without him. We cannot be without him. He wants us to say, I am here, but God is always above here. And we can't do anything without him. We tell our children in their homes, if you want to go for a sleepover to so and so or anywhere else, you ask me first. If you want to go to chat with your friends, you play with your friends, you ask us first. Because they are our children, we love them, and we expect them to show us respect, honor. It's the same thing that God expects of us. And he will go. When our children do that, we stand and say, hey, that's my son, that's my daughter. Not so. They do well in school. They win awards. I know that they're in the newspapers and everything else. What do we do? We write on the WhatsApp group, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Why? Because they have obeyed the word of their parents. It's the same thing that God is looking out for in us. He should be able to say, yeah, that's my child. The angels in heaven have to be cheering, say, yeah, that's, there goes our champion. Amen. We need to reach that point. Let's search ourselves every day and see 
How much do we trust God? How much do we honor God? How much do we demonstrate love according to the word of God? Amen. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we want to thank you. We want to bless you because of your word. We want to thank you because your word is true and your word is living in our hearts. We want to thank you because you have challenged us this morning. And we pray that God may you help us to love you and to love others. May you help us to live for you. May you help us to recognize that you're the one that's reigning supreme in our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that may your grace of God help us to live in accordance to your word. In the precious name of Jesus Christ we have prayed. Amen. Thank you very much. May the Lord bless you.